Hello and welcome to Bridge the Fire. I am Kristen. And I'm Justin. And today's episode is about something that's a little bit difficult. We have decided to call it... Dealing with death. <laughs> so this is not supposed to be like funny, but anyway, difficult. it's oh, okay. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. But, but it is they, a difficult topic. They say laughter is uh, a yeah, way to deal with... Yeah, but we have to laugh it's because death is a bit morbid, right? Mm. So maybe a bit of black humour up in all, all of it is actually not such a bad thing. Yeah. But the reason we want to share this is because it happened to our family and how it has affected us in the last two months, which has again affected the fact that we haven't recorded an episode in two months which has been also hard. I've been trying to get back, get us back, get us back in this garage to do this, but we are here. So we're going to cheer for that today. We're back here to be with you people and to share to share our lives and our stories with you and how we deal with things, but also how we deal with death and how that has affected us. Yeah, and that's what we're going to be talking about, mm. dealing with death or in my case, not dealing with it. Yeah, because that also happens. Everybody handles grief very differently. Somebody shoves it under a carpet and doesn't look at it for many, many years. And then some something gets triggered at some stage and then it bubbles to the surface. And others are able to attack it and deal with it straight away. It, and it doesn't mean that something will actually come up. You, We just don't know. We all function differently. And I think that's the most important thing is that we remember that we're all different. But my question to you then, Justin, is how has it been dealing with the death of your mother? Because that is what happened. We lost your mum in October. Uh, yeah, not great. Um Felt guilty a lot mm. about not being sadder. Uh, and walking around with those emotions or those feelings for the last two months pretty much. Um, so, you know, to give you a bit of background story there, you know, mum, she was suffering from dementia for many years and she just got worse and worse and... Uh, I got to see her this summer in August and, you know, it was great. It was great to get some time with her. I felt it was quality time. I felt perhaps I even had more time than my brothers did with her with regards to quality time. Uh, but, you know, spending that much time with her, realizing that she wasn't there. My mother wasn't there anymore. There was this lady who was scared, who was worried about things constantly. Uh, and she she struggled every day, I think, you know, more than we, we like to admit. Uh, but I got to spend quality time with her. We went out, we ate, we went to the movies, we went to, to gardens, we went to buy pot plants. I bought her some things to go in her room. We joked. We did things. I made a project for her as well whilst I was there, mm -hmm. you know, for for my creative side of things that need to be expressed to mm -hmm. my mother, you know. Yeah. And I got to do all those things. And then, you know, come you know, October, end of October there, you know, where we get the call. Um first from my brother who had spoken to mum and you know we had a good family friend with her at the time and she said this is not looking super good no. you guys probably need to think about the fact that this might be the last time you see her and you know this this fell right on a really important time too right because you know, I had gotten this opportunity to do a live podcast in Oslo in the the state library, right? Like that was a big deal for me. I mm. 
And I got to interview Norway's you know, one and only astronaut yeah. who happens to be an amazing person too, right? Mm. And I, I got that opportunity and then on, that was on the Saturday that was happening. And on the Friday is when everything started to be talking about mum's health going down the toilet. Yeah. We just recorded our previous episode, which was called Financial Infidelity. Yeah. If any of you guys out there remember. And then we did a call with the family. And, yeah, it, things kind of just started rolling mm. from there. Yeah. And so, yeah, we just, I, I felt a little bit like, oh, I really, like, I really want to make sure I do a good job here because this is a great opportunity for me. But knowing in the back of my brain that mum was dying mm. and, you know, we had, I had times where we were on the phone, I would duck off into a, like a little room, side room, and have chats with my brothers and have mm. chats with mum, even though she couldn't say anything. Uh and that was all happening whilst I was recording this. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was a bit crazy. Yeah, it we're really like two was. different worlds together. Mm. Yeah, and so you know, after that event, you know, we came home on Sunday. Monday came through, and I went to work. And in thinking, like, you know, have I done the right thing? You know, and then and Mum's still sticking in there and still holding on. And then come Tuesday morning, I just said, to I need to go. I need to go. Uh, I need to go, babe. And I didn't have a visa, so I couldn't go with. The kids' visas had come through. but hmm. And and we just decided, okay. And he called his brother, Kieran, and just went, hey, are you ready to go? Can you go quickly if, if we find your tickets? And we booked you a ticket the same, the same day just in the evening mm. and off you guys went. Yeah. And so it was a little blur and, you know, went down there. Unfortunately, mum died before we landed. You know, I don't regret that. No. I think you can't go back and go, oh, if I only, I don't think I really wanted to see mum like that anyway. No. I love the memories I had with her in August. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm very grateful I went there then because I was also available for my brothers yeah, and for the other family members as well. Yeah. So. And just to give you a context, so we live in Norway and she lived in Geelong, Just outside Australia. of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, just outside of Melbourne. So it's not like it's a quick two-hour flight no. and he would be there. It's anything from 22 hours to 30 hours depending on the flight. And the layovers, so it's not like it's not like it's just a little trip. Mm. He lives on the opposite side of the world to his Australian family, so it's not it's not that easy, and it's not easy to find that than that um, even flights to go and to yeah, we used some hours to to get that done, but I'm really really glad they went. It still took them quite a few days to get my visa sorted. So we ended up actually landing a whole week um, after Justin and Karen. But I thought that was really good too because you really got that time with your brothers and time to organize the funeral and all these things. And partly also why they didn't travel on the weekend was because we actually thought she was going to pass away on the weekend. Yeah. So we many a times, every time pretty much we were on the phone with it, his brother Elliot or Conrad, we would say our goodbyes or have a chat to her and things like that. So we got to say our goodbyes on the phone and video calls quite a few times, which was really, really nice and super, super grateful to Elliot and how he he was for our family and our ability to to do that and to be able to just say how much we loved her and and that it was okay. It's okay to let go. Yeah. I want to provide some value to our listeners here. Uh, and I think the value comes from the way I did or didn't deal with mum's death. 
and I think everyone grieves in different ways. Mm. Now, still to this day, I don't feel like I've shed a proper tear. Like I cried a little bit at the funeral, but besides that, you know, I don't think I've managed to belt out a whale or a, you know, <laughs> like a, you know, like I have a sob session about the idea that that my mother is now gone, mm. and, and you know, from what I've read and from what other people have said to me. It's perfectly normal, and I think mm. we need to communicate that because there's a there's like a weird social expectation whether we get it from like media, as in like TV and drama series and things like yeah, that, yeah. you know, about death being very, very, very emotional uh, and and highly, you know, and sad and and you know and so on, but. There's a lot of triggers in death. Yeah, there's a lot of triggers. And I I felt like I didn't have that. Mm. I felt numb mainly that, that things had just mm. happened and that it just was how it was. Mm. And, you know, the family was great, realistically. Rosie, our family friend that was, you know, She's with so her sweet. all the way was so sweet and lovely. And, you know... If you're listening, Rosie, thank you. Thank you for everything mm. you have done through this process. But also, too, I also want to talk about, you know, the moment I saw mum. Uh, I think it's something that's stuck with me since mm. it happened. You know, we were driving the car. We knew mum had passed away uh, and... I asked, I asked my brother's boyfriend, is, is she still there? And he said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. You know, the, the, you know, the funeral home hasn't come to pick her up or anything yet. And um, I said to my brother and to, to Julian, uh, my brother's uh, boyfriend, I don't know if I can go in and see her. Mm. When we got there, everyone sort of just piled into a room and I felt like I didn't have a choice. Kind of had to. Yeah. yeah. So then I walked in there and I had to see my mum's body, lifeless body, in that bed, in that frail state. It makes me want to cry. Yeah, it was really frail. And I just, just nearly didn't recognise her because her sparkle was gone. Like yeah, her, her even spirit was gone. Her spirit was gone. She just looks like this... Skinny, lifeless bones, you know, covered with a nice blanket. And, you know, the the ladies had done their best to make it look nice, yeah. you know. And that was super lovely that they tried that. But, geez, it left an impression on me, you know. And, you know, and just being in the room, I mean, Jesus, standing there whilst my mum's body is there, like, and everyone's just talking like nothing's fucking wrong. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was really hard. I like, can only imagine. No one, but yet no one talked about it. And I felt even worse for my brother too because we all left the room and we had this sort of side, you know, lounge room area that we, we were occupying and, and you know, the, the funeral home came and they asked us did we want to be in the room when they – when mom's body was moved and all of us looked at ourselves and said, no, like we don't want to see that. And then my cousin said, yes, I wanted to be in that room. And then my poor brother felt like he had to do it as well. So Elliot, my, my middle brother who has been the most amazing <sighs> human being, considering he has dealt with all these things that I he have. He is now not been even close to understanding or wanting to even, right? Because, it's, yeah. you know. He did the I'm job so, for all four of he you. He did an amazing job. Yeah. You know, he he went in there and he had to see that. And I guarantee you that left a scar on him. Yeah. And I was 
I was a little bit frustrated at my cousin for making him do that. Like it, he didn't have to, he could have said, but like just the fact that, you know, his mother, he had to see his mother sort of being lifted. As if it wasn't enough actually seeing her spirit leave her body because yeah. he was there for that. Yeah. And then he's there following you guys in to make sure you guys are supported being his little brothers coming all the way from here. And and then he had to watch the last, absolute last process again, like go in there again. I just, I mean, that, that sat with me too. Mm. Sitting around those feelings about the physical, looking physically at your mother, you know, that's past. Mm. I mean, it's something you can't get rid of. Some people love the idea of an open casket. It just wasn't great for me. No. And we, like, of course, we didn't have an open casket. None mm. of us wanted that. Yeah. We'd seen enough, you know, uh, and we'd said goodbye to mum. Yeah. Uh, but that just left a scar. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk about that openly and yeah. honestly. Like it wasn't great, yeah. that experience. And I think it does for a lot of people actually. In some sense it's a way of saying goodbye, but the spirit's already gone. Mm. So you can say your goodbyes anywhere by closing your eyes and you actually see them in in more of their normal state, mm. right? Like I remember when I flew back from the opposite way from Australia to Norway for my grandma's funeral and I was, she was there pretty close to me most of my life. Mm. And my mom asked, she's like, do you want to see her because you can? And I said, no, thank you. I do not want to see her. I want to remember her with all that she had been for me. That's the memory I wanted, not the memory of her corpse. Hmm. I didn't want to be left with that because she'd been she'd been lying in a freezer. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think open casket is a, a lovely scenario. No. And, yeah. So feelings like that, lingered mm. especially in Australia mm. um, then when you guys came along you know you kind of because of your kids are there the kids don't understand and so they just want to go do things so yeah. you don't get time really just to stop and reflect mm. you know in felt in some way I felt jealous for Conrad and Elliot and Kieran, my three brothers, other brothers, they didn't have little kids to worry about where they, they got time to sit and reflect. Mm. Or I, I don't feel I did. Kristen, you did a great job to try to make that space, but it was still, you know, they were there. Yeah, you know? though we came a week later. So you got a week alone with your brothers and I guess that's how we saw it. Like you got that week. We, we landed... 6 a.m. in the morning the day before the funeral. Mm. So we just made it down. So, uh, and that was then a week, a week and a day after her passing was the funeral. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's my, my point of view yeah. is, uh, is a week, you know, enough? No, to, Like to process? Not. I mean, like, oh, we just gave you a week and now we just, you know, like, it's not quite like that, right? No, it's not. No, it's I'm that's not, not how we did the best we could. That's with not what how we had. people. Yeah, I mean, it's just not how people operate. Uh, I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful that you came down mm. with the kids. Just, I wish some other parts of the family took the kids a bit more, so that it could be grown up and process and deal. And so that was, and my son, he, he really loves his dad. He wants to spend time with his dad. He wants physical uh, attention mm. too. And so I was forced by my son because I didn't want to be the grumpy dad who, you know, was just <laughs> running around, just waiting for 
you know, myself to pick myself, yeah, mm. just walking around like a zombie. I didn't want to be like that. Mm. I, I wanted to be the, the dad that was there for him. And so I forced myself to do that. But I, in doing that, I didn't necessarily get the time to process. Uh, you know, I probably would have preferred spending just decent time with you alone to talk, right? Yeah, yeah, we didn't Whereas get that we chance. didn't get that. No. We were like often we put the kids to bed late because of we're in a foreign country, or jet we lag. Fell and early. Yeah, or, yeah. And so many things got sort of put in the way of that. Mm. And two, you know, being that we were in Australia for such a short period of time, oh, we got to go see the family. Oh, we got to go do this. We got to run around. Mm. We got we to do all these things and appease others. All right, so about appeasing others, maybe you also did that a bit to appease me and the kids, right? Because we came and also had expectations to what was going to happen, what was going to... We were going to see some people who we hadn't seen for almost three years and we knew that also was important for the kids, right? Yeah, and I I remember only asking for a morning to myself. Mm. And But I also felt there was all this pressure to, you know, go visit the cousins and, you know, go visit the other family members we haven't seen for a while. Keep the children entertained so that they don't go bananas. Mm. Um, you know, it was, it was a challenging thing. I know Henry definitely struggled with me not getting the attention he wanted. Yeah, yeah, I guess not being emotionally available for him. Yeah. I'd say that's probably he very, I think he's very attuned to you when that happens. Mm. And I think we've seen that this fall as well or like the last two months as well, how he gets when he doesn't feel seen. Mm. Mm. It's really frustrating too because I see that in hindsight only, that realistically I was doing that. Uh, but at the time I couldn't see any other way of operating like was given, like no. that we would go do all these things and activities and we would have lunch and dinners with, you know, people and family mm. and, you know, we would try to, to fill the day but that left very little time for me to actually process oh, and 100%. deal with emotions. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. when we meet other people, they talk about stories that they've experienced through mum, but, mm. you know, you don't necessarily get to process your version of that, Yeah, you know, because you're then just doing your everyday thing, you know, yeah. where, where you're meeting up with someone to have a meal and you don't necessarily talk about things that you necessarily need to. Mm. Uh, and they also might not be the right space for doing that, right? So if you need to talk about how, for example, we've talked about where, you know, you have hurt and, you know, trauma left from your loved one mm. that's gone now, Yeah, you know, you know, all our parents have an effect on us and there's not always that great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, when you're with family, you don't necessarily always have that opportunity to talk about those traumas, yeah. those things that are not so nice to talk about, mm. about the person that's just passed away. Mm. But you need to kind of talk about some of those things oh, yeah. to process and let go yeah definitely um and so when you're in that moment around all the family and it's all buzzing and it's all you know you know filling up the days with like we said dinners and meetups and you know play dates for the kids and all these things you don't get time for that no and neither do you get proper time for that either when you come home mm. You know, I remember sitting on the plane. Unfortunately, Chris and I had two separate plane trips. Let's Jesus not talk Christ. about that. That's a whole other podcast all on its own. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Poor Kristen got, you know, delayed and stuck in Australia for another half day or nearly a day, actually. And, uh, and there was 
you know, three seats to myself, staring out the window, enjoying myself. Well, at least you got something. You got some some time to process. Yeah. But I I mean, I feel like I did too. Like, I mean, I remember looking out the window of the plane. Mm. We were flying over some country in the in the Arab Emirates or somewhere around that area. And we were, you know, up pretty high at 30,000 feet or whatever we were. And I remember looking down and I remember looking at these, like, what I thought were like, you know, I don't know what I thought it was, like little, like foresty things. And then I, I squinted and looked harder, you know, and it turned out it was, it was houses and, civilization and, and it made me realize how fucking little we are mm. and how much we are just like a blip <laughs> you know yeah. and and that was the reality of, but it was kind of weirdly liberating mm. i was like we're a blip we we mean nothing we we are just bacteria on someone's shoe <laughs> brutal yeah but it was like it was so liberating for me i was i, I couldn't i was like yeah so why the hell wouldn't we just go all in in what we want to do in life? Yeah. We, it means nothing. We mean nothing. So if you just do your thing and don't do thing, anything exciting or things that challenge you or excite, things that challenge the world, then you just the blip. Like we're all just blips. You know, we've got a, t- a certain period of time. And so that I was thinking on the plane is looking over that and like how important life is. And then all of a sudden we get back. We just have to go back into it. I was straighted back into work. I realized like we had b- blown huge amounts of cash. Mm. Tickets to- were ridiculous, by the way. Ridiculous. Never that expensive before. Yeah. We probably spent around, I think, give or take, Maybe twenty thousand US dollars, maybe less. No, ten. Is it ten? Yeah, sorry, you're probably about ten. Ten, yeah. Ten thousand US. Yeah. Either way, a lot of money, um, and especially <laughs> we don't have the money. We're we're not a rich no, family, no. you know. We don't have a lot of money, you know. We can Lying throw around. around. No. So you know, I realized I got to get to work because you know. We've got to pay these credit cards off and mm. we have Christmas coming and holy bill of stuff. So I just went straight yeah. into work yeah, and didn't really get time to process either. And to this day still probably haven't really no. had time. And then also process. you didn't get time to have your creative outlet, which I also think is has a big effect on on your well-being and also you're dealing with it because when you get to have a creative creative outlet that's also you're opening up your emotional side your feelings right yeah, but 100%. when you don't get that you put a lid on it mm. so you've pretty much had that lid on since australia yeah and i think the value there hopefully is that people can realize like you need to have outlets, even as grieving, mm. pro, like process, like because yeah. I haven't had that. We are sitting here, you know, recording a podcast upstairs from my workshop, and downstairs is a project which I haven't really properly, properly touched for months. Yeah, you know, I I got a week. I think it was a Saturday, I think I got to go down there. So I cleaned the workshop up and mm. I started working on it and that's it. That's all I got. So, you know, and now that I think about it, in that time I felt free. Mm. I felt free to to be myself, mm. whereas the other times I haven't. No, I get that. And, that, and I think that I know goes, how you function by now. Mm, and I think that has a lot to say about the situation with mum's death is that we do need our outlets to help process. Mm. And when we don't get those, it's probably not going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I just want to share something else too, because um, of course she was uh, cremated 
So we, we went and pick up rashes and the boys decided to um, send some back to Norway with us so that we could um, have her here as well. So I put her on the shelf in the kitchen and it's quite funny how that was a trigger for you. Oh, yeah, she was looking at me all the time. And judging the way he was parenting mm. and things like that. Very, very interesting how much of a trigger that was. Because we have a different view on how we parent, right? Especially yeah, I... to the older generation. Not just your mum, but in general, the older generation. They're still learning because they also learn through us. But because we didn't live close, we didn't get a chance to to teach her mm. other ways, right? Yeah, or so, yeah. get her to see the way we see the world. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think with that, there was also, you felt like there was a judgment. <laughs> yeah, there was always. A, like I was sitting there cutting up vegetables for dinner, for example. I would look up and, you know, we had the photo from the, from the funeral up on the shelf next to her ashes. And I remember thinking like, fuck, <laughs> stop, stop looking at me. Stop judging the way I'm operating. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, but then I'd let that go. But then I'd all of a sudden see myself snapping like my mother would or talking to my kids like my mother would. And at some point I just said to Kristen, like, we have to get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> Not that brutally. He said, can we please move mom? Yeah, can we said. please move her out of my line of sight? Because uh, this every time I look there, I feel like she's judging me. And that's something too we need to process. There's mm. still hurt there, right? There's still mm. things that we are attached to from our parents yeah. or the ones that have passed, right? Mm. Where, where we think, oh, they didn't like that about the way we operated or yeah. the way we were or whatever. And, and, you know, you have to deal with those feelings and emotions around that mm. when they pass. Yeah, definitely. So you have to let go of them. Uh, or hold on to them even tighter, depending what it was, yeah, right? Yeah, depending what it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm. it could be positive things too. It could be that they were the most loving person that you actually felt seen by. Mm. It could be that way too, right? And then vice versa, it could be negatives hanging on. That could be sore points and triggers, and especially triggers with your own kids, possibly. Mm. It, it, uh, I just... I want to mention it because it was really interesting to see how you were affected by it. So even though in some sense you're saying you didn't deal with it, there's also been triggers since we come home. And we've had some good conversations too, finally, in the last few weeks. We've, we've started opening up areas that need to, I think, need to be talked more about so that you can you can heal and also grieve properly the truth is i still haven't grieved properly and i feel guilty for that mm. even though i shouldn't uh and i have still hang-ups from my mother mm. ways she treated me ways she taught me uh, the things she did or didn't do uh, that are still there mm. and I haven't really processed them properly um, even though like I probably should have looked at that many years ago right mm. but we've talked a lot about it but I'm not sure I fully let it go. Yeah. Um, and one of the big things is, you know, when my parents split, you know, when they divorced, mum turned into this person that was in crisis mode, right? Mm. And sometimes I don't think she thought about us. Yeah. And there are 
thing, hang ups still there from mm, me. There's traumas. There. Yeah, there's traumas, mm. right? Uh, I will never forget, you know, where my parents split and my mum didn't come out of her room for a day and a half, maybe two days. And we just heard constant crying and constant. And like, as a 12 year old, you don't know what to do. So you go in there and you're like, are you okay, mum? Right. And then she'll just cry and cry and cry and you feel completely useless. Mm. And she didn't communicate with you. And she failed to communicate that it wasn't our fault. So what did we do? We thought it was our fault. Exactly. Right. Yeah. As a twelve-year-old, we know that's not like as an adult. I should say we know that's not true at all, mm. and I know that now. Mm. But going back to that twelve-year-old, you like it didn't matter that she was crying about dad leaving. It was she was crying when you were around, right? So you know, and you couldn't cheer her up, so it was yeah. therefore your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like you can't cry in front of your kids. You just have to explain it's actually this is something inside of me. It's got nothing to do with you. Mm. And so that's left scars on Mm. me. And there's many other incidences like where mum was furious at dad when he came to pick us up one time and she ran after the car swearing and throwing things. And, you know, I it annoys me because, you know, me, who is a very, very aware parent of what I do, when I see I do something crap, I immediately apologize to my kids. Mm, same. And say, like, you know what, kids, you don't, you didn't I deserve that. I yeah. failed you. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I've learned that from what my mother didn't do. Mm. You know, when when we felt that that, you know, she was you know, being a crazy lady, someone we'd never seen before, right? We've never seen that side of her. Yeah. We became scared of her. Mm. And you don't want to be scared of your own mother. And that often happened when we, as we got older, mm. there was more and more responsibilities put on us as as teenagers to provide, you know, to do the cleaning and cooking and things like that, fill the role that she was unable to fill because she was working all the time trying to build up this. Trying to support the four of you. Yeah, yeah. she was doing. She thought she was doing the right thing, and I, to some point, she did. She the best did. She, could. she she did do the right thing because she was building for the family. Mm. She did the best she could, but there's still hurt there, and that's okay. But she she did take it out on us. So mm. when we didn't do those things, she would abuse us verbally. She would throw things around the house. She would come in and like, you know, we would <laughs> we would look at each other, you know, when she came in the door. We were both sitting we're all sitting around watching television or something, you know, and we look at each other and say, like, did you do the did you like fold the washing? And we're like, no, shit. (laughs) We'd all get up and we'd all like, and then she'd come in the lounge room and they were folding the the laundry. And instead of mum being happy, she would say, why haven't you done that already? Why are you only doing it now? So those things stuck with me. It's like, okay. You know, she just couldn't be content that we were doing it last minute. Yeah. It had to be. Why isn't right here, right now good enough? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So there are all those things and like you as a listener who may have already been through a death in the family mm. or maybe you haven't, but there's all, you know there's already like some issues between some of your family members. Like those things are going to come up again mm. when they, they pass. And I think... That's been a, a part of this journey with the death of my mother mm. too. It's just like realizing all these things come up again. Yeah, you know? they come to the surface again. Mm. I also want to tap on the fact that in one of our conversations, the fact that you said that um, you kind of hate a little bit on me because I had a different relationship with your mother. 
innocence. I have different memories. I have good memories, but she was never my mother. Yeah. I, I, I said to you, I, I, I hate that you cry for my mother, yet I haven't shed a tear. Yeah. Because I think it's unfair. Why, why did you, why do you feel so emotional about my mother who you hardly knew compared to me? Exactly. And why can't I let go of the emotions that I have? Mm. I feel sad and like I felt jealous. Mm. I think I used the word jealous, jealous, right? Yeah, yeah. I felt jealous that you could do that, that you could feel these loving emotional feelings and be sad and cry about it where all I could see was the things that maybe she did a bit wrong. It's so, it's so crazy to say this, yeah. but it's true, right? I think it's, yeah, but I think to be able to get to the bottom of it and turn it so that you actually just are left with the good memories mm. and the good things, you have to deal with the negatives. Mm. And I don't have them with her. She, first of all, she wasn't my mother, but I still called her mama. I adopted your mom. Mm. I absolutely loved her. I thought she was great. I enjoyed the fact that she came to visit for both our births of our children. She did lots of things for us. And I guess being the person I am too, that's what I take away, right? You have to remember you carry a lot of your mum in you and what was one of her traits, I don't know you're telling the story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, but what was one Which of my one? traits? Yeah. <laughs> Which one am I choosing? But it was also to see the negative. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah, I uh, agreed. You're yeah. just following her footsteps because mm. that's also your prior programming. God damn you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we do love you. So I think because also you and I being a bit of a yin-yang type of people, Mm. we also deal with that differently, right? I have most of my life, and as long as I can remember, been able to turn things to the positive, to the annoyance of most people, actually, every now and then. (laughs) Even you. Yep. 100% me. (laughs) So... I guess I guess that's why I'm left I am left with being positive and I I could mourn her. I could cry. And I also carry my emotions very outwards. I don't pack them down. Mm. I let it rip. When I and even more after the journey I'm on that I started this fall, when you need to cry, then freaking cry. Yeah, but that's a that's a thing you don't understand. Yeah. I, there's been no point where I feel I need to cry. No, exactly. I feel like no, I'm. It. It's not like I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm going to hold those tears back. <laughs> no, I would let them <laughs> fully fly if I had them. If you had them, yeah. But I don't. Yeah. Because I've been programmed differently to mm. you. Yeah, yeah, and you are, right? and we are also different, being male and female, mm. and how we are also raised differently, and then. Our, our emotional <laughs> upbringing, in a sense, if we can say, not just as kids, but as as adults and as our journey through life, we learn how to evolve that process. Because I know you can cry. You can get emotional oh, I about cry, things. I cry in bloody movies. Didn't you cry about something you saw in school the other yeah, day? I cry, <laughs> yeah, there was, we were watching this ambulance show you know and there was a there was a a a bunch of children and a crazy mother decided to drown them you know and Mm. i cried because i thought about my kids and in the same episode there was an old lady who died which reminded me of mum, and i cried then Mm. oh i see but i didn't i cried over the idea not mum. yeah and so that's where i find it's like i am highly emotional but to let go and actually cry specifically about mom's passing it's not but it might not come out that way 
yeah. think you have to accept the fact that it might not come out that way. It might come out through a different outlet, in a sense. Not not, really. not, nece not necessarily outlet. I mean, it might still come out as tears, but like that elderly lady could be the trigger for you to actually cry about your mom, even though you think it's about something else. She's just the trigger to yeah. those emotions. Like I would have thought, this is hilarious, but I watched the Downton Abbey movie on the way, on the way home, mm. <laughs> and I started like <laughs> sitting like that. <laughs> People were turning around <laughs> on the airplane <laughs> on the way home because I was like, oh my god, because that hit me. Mm. Not to not to like ruin the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. But I was sure that was going to affect you too. But it didn't. I watched the same movie exactly. and I didn't didn't shed a tear. I and was I like, that was so oh, interesting. that's sad that that character's gone now. <gasps> but I was like, and then that really surprised me actually because I thought that was the perfect scenario to actually be a trigger. Yeah. To get you to, to see the connection. Mm. So I maybe hope, it would just take time. I'm going to say, I hope my emotions don't come out through tears, but come out through dance or something crazy like that. Yeah, well, she loved music. Maybe you need to start listening to the music your mum loved and maybe it'll come then. Oh, I don't want to fall asleep. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on. No, mum, uh, she definitely loved her music and she. the great thing about Alzheimer's is they don't remember your name but they can remember all the words to the songs. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, fascinating. So kind of crazy. Yeah, it's fascinating. But I guess on that note, I feel like you've gotten to share the story that's gone on then for the last couple of months and that's why we've we've been a bit off the radar. But we're back. We're here. We're here to bring you our life and our topics and we hope you tag along and follow along with us is there anything you want to add to this dealing with death topic i think for people that are have experienced a death in the family or know that it's going to come at some point and look inwards and have a look at the feelings around that and give yourself time to mourn, give yourself time to let go, give yourself time. Uh, I feel like I definitely haven't had that properly and that's the one thing I regret around this whole thing with mum, you mm -hmm. know, and her passing is that I didn't quite fully have time um, and I don't know what that time looks like I think it'll be different for everybody but I definitely feel like I didn't have time in Australia mm. uh, mainly probably because where mum lived was not my child childhood home you know we, we, it wasn't the same sub it wasn't the same state you know, we were miles and miles away from our mm. childhood home. And so mm. realistically, didn't have chance to go back there, live through the memories and let go. And process and that. So way. I think yeah. perhaps that's very important for everybody to do is to go back, relive some of those fond memories, let go of that, those emotions, say goodbye properly mm. and know that your life is short too. Mm. So you've got to make the most of it. Yeah. You could always write her a letter. Just an idea. Maybe you should write your mom a letter and say everything you need to say. It's a long letter. Yeah, but maybe that'll trigger something. <laughs> right? It's just an idea. Because writing a letter is really freeing. Yeah. It means you don't have to let anybody else read it. But as you write it out, you kind of, you write out all your disappointments or all, all your sadness or all your joy, whichever you decide to tap into. Mm. It's actually really powerful. And I think more of us should probably do it more often. Yeah. When we 
have things come up in our lives. Mm. Yeah. All right. At least it was just an idea. <laughs> but yeah, how do you feel now? I'm talking about this. I feel okay. I yeah. I don't feel sad or I don't feel emotional. I don't feel, but I, it's very good to talk about the fact that you don't feel a certain way. I think it's very mm. good and freeing. Mm. Uh, and especially on a public forum too, right? So it's, yeah. you know, everyone's listening to this could have judging feelings around the way mm. I feel about it, but mm. it's the way I feel. Yeah. I can't change it, right? Exactly. And it's good to let people know this is the way I feel. And then you never know, someone might reach out and say something to me that will mm. make me connect and then I'll be able to let go. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a, I think you can't keep it all in. That's why it's good to have this platform for this podcast because we can talk things out even in a public forum and even have the possibility for, you know, people to interact with the conversation. Mm. Uh, so on that note, I think if you want to have some interaction with us, please send us an email at bridge through fire at gmail dot com mm. um and you know let us know what you thought if you have a question for us yep. anything any concerns anything any advice for me yeah <laughs> advice for you for somebody out there or any questions for us I, we would love to hear from you and we'll keep cracking on with this and we hope you keep listening in and take care of yourselves out there and if you have lost somebody recently we our hearts are with you because mm. right now we we know what that's like and we know how that can affect the family yeah yeah so <clears throat> with that be kind have courage and lead with love everybody ciao thanks <laughs>